I think, to me, I like the way they identified the gentrification problem or issue, that, that it was a problem for the local community. And it reminded me a little bit of the way Hackney's changed uh, in the 2000s. I liked the way that they was identifying how gentrification creeps up on you, almost like a vampire. And then before you know it, it kind of bites you. Welcome, geek sweaters and sweaty geeks. Welcome to another episode featured and starring myself, MKH. This is the MKH cut within the Geek Sweat universe. And uh, today we are delving into another Netflix exclusive film. I am joined by none other uh, than, um, first of all, Cody with the fancy shirt. Hello. Actually, it's just Stephen, isn't it? I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I flash back to calling you Cody. Like, one person called you... Don't mind Cody. Cody's all right. No, because I, I remember you said that one person probably called you Cody when you were 14. And you told Trevor and all of a sudden it stuck yeah. <laughs> when we're doing it this podcast. I was a kid, but normally adults don't call me it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stephen, maybe Cody. Okay. Thank you, Stephen. And um, next to uh, Stephen, can I just say I've met I've met the guy behind you, um, MKH. Yeah, what? that's why I've got him. Thank God someone actually recognised him. Like that's why I put him up because obviously he sadly passed away, and everyone just yeah, skipped. I've met him, but I, I no, I've not only met Dave Prowse. I met him dressed as Darth Vader. What in Cornwall? Yeah, yeah. Is he from Cornwall? No, but he's from like Somerset, so it's not too far away. Yeah. So he has the same type of accent and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Oh, yeah, nice. I met him dressed as Darth Vader. What was nice. this? What were you doing for that for that man? That was um, a local furniture store. Okay. <laughs> he also came to our school as the Green Cross Code Man. Yeah. Wow. So was he using the force to move the carpets around into his, into the back <laughs> of his van or something? So there you go. There's my Dave Prowse story. Oh, that's, wow. a, that's a nice bit of trivia. Is he so tall because his parents are first cousins? Ha ha ha. I'm not defending Somerset. I've got nothing to do with Somerset. <laughs> I'll say it's true. Anyway, next to uh, Stephen, and you've probably already heard his voice, we do have TJ. Hello. Hi, Thanks for having me back on the MKH. Really appreciate it. Why, why, are you, why are you eating, by the way? This is, I don't invite you here to eat. I invite you here to give insight. <laughs> anyway, you chew and let me introduce the film. I, I think David Prowse makes me hungry. But I, I haven't got a David Prowse story. But I, I will say that um, I think maybe for a little while, Darth Vader was probably the scariest thing that I saw on film for maybe like two or three years until I saw Alien. Maybe. Was, it, was it his appearance or was it his voice that was more scary? I think the idea was that he was just very expressionless and he was and he was killing people. So it was like everyone On account of who, having a massive helmet, yeah. Every, everyone who, yeah. But everyone who was around him didn't know how to please him because if you watch the beginning of Star Wars where he makes his entrance, there's a lot of like soldiers and minions who are trying to give him information. I think why he gets strangled. And it's kind of like I think it was scary because no one could tell whether he was he was happy or smiling or angry. And the only way you could find out was if he strangled you. So I think that's what made it kind of scary. So that was funny. Excellent. So uh, for those that you, of you that are listening, the original bit of content we are reviewing isn't The Mandalorian. It is actually called 
vampires versus the Bronx. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to lie. When I first uh, introduced um, the concept of us actually reviewing this film, I wasn't really uh, infused by it. I just, I just saw the poster and I thought, oh yeah, let's just, let's just review it. But um, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised by this film and actually quite enjoy it. Before we delve any further, uh, what did you guys think? I'll start with Stephen. Yeah, it's not the thing that's aimed. It's not something that's aimed at me. It's aimed at uh, kids. I think it's a teenager kids film. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's nothing really that violent in it. There's not really anything too kind of. There's no swearing. There's nothing that can be kind. Of, I would, you know, it's for teenagers. A little bit. Sorry. There's it's a like a lost. Swearing. It's like a modern Lost Boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. I'll take that. Uh. Trevor, very quickly, first Yeah, I mean, as as it was said, like, Stephen, it wasn't made for him in terms of it's more of a kid's film. And I feel like it wasn't made for me in terms of it, it feels like it's a shout-out to everybody from New York City, in, in a sense, and particularly the Latino community. But it's not something I'm against. I mean... The, the 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 films that come to mind was Vampire in Brooklyn, which starred um, Eddie Murphy, which is kind of like a black comedy tropes of vampirism, and also yeah, like Stephen said, The Lost Boys, um, done with kiddie culture. So it was very interesting to kind of see how they played it out. So um, the, the heroes in The Lost Boys were kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but these were even younger, so that's why I'm saying it's a kiddie uh, girl. So it was more like a Sesame Street meets vampires crossover. I don't know. Hold on. I don't think they were younger. I just think we think Corey Feldman and all uh, are older because we were that age when we were there. I, I think they are the same age. No, no, because in in the, in this in the Vampire vs. the Bronx, they were flirt. One of the kids who's handing out the posters is flirting with yeah. one of the girls and I think she says he's full she's 16 and she says he's like 13 or 14 or something like that. Oh. But I think in um in the Lost Boys there is an older brother, younger brother, but I yeah. think the the younger brothers are still like 14 or 15, maybe a year older, but then the older brother obviously takes it into the 18, 19 category. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think it is a film across the board. I think any film that features anyone sucking the actual blood out of other human beings and discarding their body is not aimed to kids. I, I, I do concede it does star kids, yeah. but it is a comedy horror film. Mm. Um, without spoiling it, because I don't know, I don't know if we, we need to go into spoilers today. But did you catch the underlying themes within the film? Gentrification. We don't like white people. That was that. Was, we don't like. So yeah. So, so we've got we got pale white people. <laughs> You're gonna come out at night, coming in and taking over the whole block. Yeah. Uh, so they're taking over. So gentrification. I I also got flashbacks of um. So attack the block. Not, not even that. Like, I think it's totally different from Attack the Block. So, again, the gentrification. Uh, did you see any other films, any other themes before I start going on my conspiracy theory? Um, I, I think one of the themes, um, 
I know. I, I felt like they were they were they were very hard in kind of pushing the pushing out the envelope of all of the ethnicity stereotypes. So like your black guys in the corner, um, your slightly over oppressive um, ethnic mums, um, the young boy who's got the um, single parent life, which has to be because one of the parents is a criminal. So there was a there was a couple of other things there that it felt like it was there was an ethnicity checkbox being ticked to make sure all of the characters were being included there. So you found it to be more Biden. So you didn't see any original takes on any of the ethnicities in it. It was more Biden numbers for you. Yeah, because even the element of um, oh, we're going to be baby blades in terms of um, I could almost feel that the young kid with the glasses, because he read Salem's Lot, was going to be the educational herald of like you had your two kids who were friends, but you needed this third one. He was there to kind of explain the rules of how to kill a vampire. So he was like the nerdy encyclopedia boy. But then the whole watching the blade thing was kind of like their way of doing a shout out to um, a past film, but also it was there for exposition again. Okay, so I saw that um, nobody really cared when all those people went missing, which kind of reminded me of when the CIA flooded uh, inner city New York with crack and everyone was just dying and no one was taking any notice okay. of these um, ethnic minorities just perishing. There, was, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, compassion shown in the film for these missing people. Obviously you had that girl who, uh, the girl who was using her social media to bring attention to it, who basically for me, operated as a modern day version of the girl that does the voiceover in the warriors so yeah, yeah. here we have the warriors doing <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so I yeah was she... Hoping she would do some of that actually where she would be talking about like where the kids were running to like she, in the she kind of did do that but in a more modern uh 21st century internet kid uh type of way i thought that was quite funny uh Stephen, you, you're you're the horror guy. What do you think of vampires on the whole as a concept? Um, I I I mean, they were my first love, vampires. Seriously, I was obsessed with Dracula at school. I had this thing at school where I pretended to be a vampire, and I once sucked my friend's blood to prove it. I was a bit weird, kid. Wait, hold on, wait, wait, stop. <laughs> to unpack in in that little those two sentences. So, when you suck this person's blood, hand grenade into the room. Yeah. When you suck this person's blood, did you first did did you have to bite them first, or did they cut their own? And their they cut own, themselves, and then they, they were like, themselves. "I have proved you're a vampire," and then I did. Yeah. How old were you? Sorry. How old were you? Don't tell me you were like nineteen or something. <laughs> nine, nine, eight or nine. You were nine. Eight or nine, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. What do they what do they use to cut themselves? Like a, a what's it called? One of those protractors? I don't know. I remember, I remember we were in a field and we were just like, because... Could have been got, broken glass. Uh, it might be. They just got cut and then it was like, oh. And you sucked the blood. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of, so you're a massive vampire fan. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't like modern vampires. What do you I mean? Think... Because I thought this film, I thought this film kind of adhered to the common 
uh, rules of vampireship, or or you disagree? They should be a bit grosser, I think. I oh, mean, vampires are clean cut. Vampires are parasites. You know, they shouldn't be sexy. Yeah. No, but the, but you saw in the film they they had the prosthetics, so when their faces turned really ugly when they were back to feast. Yeah, I thought they were quite good vampires. I don't like new sexy vampires. Yeah. Oh, you mean like Twilight and yeah, Pat, yeah, Patterson and stuff like that. If, if you notice, there's a reference to to the first vampire film, which is very prominent in it. Did anyone spot it? Not no, so because now the name of the company taken over was Murno. Oh, okay. Who and he's the director of Nosferatu, the first um, Dracula film. But not only that, but their emblem was was some um, fucking sorry was um uh, Vlad the Impaler. So oh. anyone like so they weren't being that um kind of um underhand about it. So their emblem is Vlad the Impaler, and their name is Murno. <laughs> there's a couple of Easter eggs in there for everyone. But it's so, a nice reference. It's a nice reference to older vampire films. So I like that. So in terms of vampires and the rules, I never yeah. understood why vampires were not only scared of crosses, uh, but also... It's not crosses, why... it's faith. It's, it's um, faith. Uh, emblems of faith. Emblems of faith. Because I, I assume that vampires existed before faith existed. V- vampires come from like East European folklore. But, yeah, I mean, Romania. Yeah, so Vlad the Impaler yeah. from Romania, and I, I, I kind of, I might have got my dates all wrong, but I thought he he existed before Christianity. But okay, that's just my. I mean, first, first of all, they, they don't actually exist. Uh, MKH. Um, no, I know they don't actually exist, but in terms of uh, within their universe, if yeah. for example, they did. But they, I mean, the uni- vampire universe is very loose because this, you know. Uh, I mean, Bram Stoker popularised it, obviously, in the late uh, Victorian age with the novel Dracula, which, which was him. T- he actually took Irish um, Irish folklore, I think, for um, using that for Dracula, but he, he just changed it to Romania. Famous. But then there was... Sorry? I, I was going to say, um, the, the emblems of faith is one thing, but where does the garlic aversion come from? I think these things were added after, in I kind of know. film versions, as kind of you know, it's just become yeah. I mean, historically, vampires don't they can't travel over water, yeah, but they can fly, but not if there's water there. <laughs> but Bram Stoker's Dracula came by the sea, didn't he? That's why he had to be packed into soil mm. in his coffin in the oh, boat. Yeah. That was the only way he could get across the water is to okay. be encased in soil, yeah. Also, also, this is my my favorite vampire fact, is that the Count in um, Sesame Street, that isn't just a, that isn't just a random kind of um, putting vampires and numbers together. Um, vampires in folklore were obsessed with maths and counting. They loved counting things. So, okay. actually, Sesame Street used folklore about vampires to make the Count. Okay. Mm, counting obsession or their victims. Yeah, yeah. Are you saying vampires have OCD, basically? Yeah, kind of, yeah, 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 they do, they do. They have yeah, to they got a set of routine, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Get up in the night, feast, then go back into the coffin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, originally in the novel, uh, Bram Stoker's novel, Dr- Dracula, I think, I mean, this is disputed, but um, 
vampirism is is a euphemism for syphilis. So it's about sexual oh, disease. Yeah. yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awful fact. And I don't know how to segue, segue for, away from <laughs> it. Can expand on it? The, the, the idea of penetration and the blood of virgins. Because a lot of um, there's a lot of vampire and virgin stories with um, Arthur Dracula as well. <laughs> what do we think of the child actors in uh, this uh, film? Because do you, do you, I actually quite liked, I, I felt that, um, that they had some charisma to them. I, I felt that the jokes that were written for them kind of landed. What did we think of the child actors, the child stars of this film, should we say? Actually, just to go on the counting thing, we've got a Jaden Michael, but we've also got Gerald Jones III and Gregory Diaz IV. So there's some numbers for you as well. Those were amongst the child actors. Royalty. Yeah. I, I actually thought they were pretty good. I thought they had some good chemistry, and I felt the Gregory Diaz guy who played Louis Acosta he was kind of like the encyclopedia geek. I think he he understood his, as an actor, I think he understood his comic timing role, that he was kind of this kind of anxious, Woody Allen kind of um, comedy aside to all of the action that was going on. So I thought he handled it quite well. Um, do, do, so not, so the film stars three young boys, but only one of the boys has a full character arc throughout the film. Yeah. Do you, I thought that was a little bit underserved. Do you think? Yeah. Mm. We're talking okay. about his fang sort of a, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw we yeah. saw the whole character arc. Oh yeah, is he is he or isn't he going to join yeah. the gang and then eventually obviously he doesn't. But what I'm saying is um I, I quite like that only one of them had a character arc because I don't think it took away from knowing mm. the, the, the character motivations of the other two. Yeah. In fact... Harry, Harry Potter had a character arc. I mean, it was about him accepting his mum's love and, yeah. uh, you know... I think it was about... His character arc was about going, getting over his new race. Char character arcs don't have to be massive things where they're learning... You know, they could be small little things that they learn. Yeah. But I felt I felt with the young boy, his character arc was about getting over his neuro his personal anxiety and neuroses because he he picked that when he used the Eucharist of Christ. Uh, I won't say why. And um, Jaden Michael, uh, uh, who played Miguel Martinez, I think his character arc was obviously getting a girlfriend, and that no. kind of, I, I I think it was because he he's he's doing the thing about the bodega, but he's trying to be cool in the community. So that's he, a character he, trait. I think that's a character trait because I don't think he set out to save the bodega in order to get that girl. It kind of just happened. Yeah, but uh, his story was more about like really or won't be this kind of girlfriend love story, which it ended up being platonic in the end. So it was kind of like I thought I, that was the twist. I, I actually, I actually thought that a bodega was like a summer house. So the first. Caught an arrow. I was very confused. <laughs> I was like, "What? What was so special about this summer house? What, where they play table tennis and basketball and stuff?" <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> it's a convenience like, store. The normally just little like hexagonal things. I thought. Yeah, I think you're thinking uh, of a gazebo, but the um. I think that is exactly what I was okay. thinking of. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I, I think this was our introduction to Spanish culture because apparently the phrase bodega is especially used in a Spanish-speaking neighbourhood, 
which is why it was confusing to me why Method Man turned up as a priest <laughs> in that area because I was thinking that somebody was going to turn around and say, weren't you part of the Wu-Tang Clan? <laughs> in the film. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the only way you could shoehorn uh, Method Man into it because... There was, there was, there was not enough PR, i.e. ST Man. Yeah, I I think um, you know what was really confusing about um, Method Man's priest character. He came across as the type of guy that you knew for sure uh, happened to uh, bury prostitutes in his spare time because he thought (laughs) I can't save them. I'm going to have to kill them. He had this sort of dark energy about him. Um, But yeah. he did have a strange presence, though, because if you think about, he was the only real father, uh, and not to say it as a pun so much, but he's the only real father figure in that film, because... No, yeah, the Bodega there was a, guy was. Yeah, the Bodega guy was there, but essentially he was letting the kids do whatever they want. So he was like one of the gang, more than the father figure. Whereas like Method Man's priest had a more of a sense of authority and sternness there which I'm not saying it was lacking in the other kids family life but there wasn't a real presence of a father figure until Method Man really turns up and and, and shows himself you know? I, I don't know because I don't think anything Method Man did in that film kind of directed them into uh, becoming the heroes that they were uh, Method Man tried to uh, it was more so the scene uh, I think Method Man gave more shit about his sprite than anything else. Yeah, but don't you think it it kind of plays into there was a kind of an absent father's theme in the film, sort of thing. So even they like the three kids didn't really have their specific father figure biologically present. It, it could and, be. I don't. I don't. I don't think he was used enough to fulfill that role. No, but what I'm saying is he he was like a, he was still absent in terms of. He was trying to monitor the kids, but he never really knew what they were doing until it was too late. So he never really had his eye on them, even though he constantly said it through the film. I thought it was more of a hard ass and kind of not a great guy. I, I don't think he, he was trying to nurture the children. It was more like, I am a army captain. It's my way to the highway type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think the Tony uh, who works in the bodega, his role... And this could be a new way to to portray father figures and male role models, yeah. like to the point where okay, he he entertains some of their um their antics, yeah, indulgences. He never believed about the vampires until he saw it himself. Yeah. And when his mum went when they got in trouble with the police, he said, yeah. "You need to listen to your mum." Like this is this is so I'll take the blame and stuff like that. So well, I think wasn't he the first one to vouch for them as well because he stepped yeah, out exactly. into the street. So because yeah. what, what I'm trying to say is the father figures and the role models they're two separate things in this film, whereas there are absent fathers and then method man trying to play the father, but neither of them were really role models. And even the um, the gangster who was trying to recruit um, the young boy into his team he was kind of like a father figure as well in terms of he was trying to influence them but there was only really one real role model that they could count on which was um i'm trying to remember his name now um 
Tony, the guy who played, yeah, Tony. Um, yeah, I, I, I liked Tony's character. I liked his interaction with the kids. Um, I think they could have flushed out um, some more of the male, like the adult male characters. A bit. I don't think they spent enough time with them. Mm. Um, I think it was more. What focused. about the men? What do you mean? Uh, the men. The men. Look at it. Stephen's a proper men's right activist right now. <laughs> we need more men in it. Yeah, he's he's got MGTOW, I think it's called, doesn't it? Um, so, what what do we think about the um, prejudice against the the white characters? Because there, from what I saw, there was no redeemable white character in the film, which is yeah, the familiar Frank the familiar it, 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 redeemed himself. It huh? Frank the familiar redeemed himself by oh, the end. Yeah, but the thing is he did a lot of reprehensible things leading up to that. I mean he dispatched with I mean I might as well say it's not too much of a spoiler, but he dispatched with Zoe Saldana who who gets heavily credited on this film before it was promoted. Uh very early on in the film. Yeah, she lasts about five minutes. Um, I think in terms of um, the white characters, I don't think we've ever seen a... It, this no, 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 seriously. This, this, this has turned the whole genre on its head. We've never seen, except for Get Out, we've never seen a film where all the white characters are completely the baddies and yeah. all the... Uh, other races are completely the well, not not completely the goodies because you obviously you've got the gangs which yeah. are reprehensible. But yeah, we we're not seeing that, and I think we've been conditioned to the place where we're so used to at least having one white savior that that's why this this uh, particular film will come as a shock to one to some people. And what I will say is like just get used to it. Like there are sometimes yeah. where all, all all the people that are bad. Are, are white just look at world war Two. Yeah. so uh, actually no japan was in there. world war one but um yeah so yeah it was a bit um, mixed there i yeah, think yeah, japan, yeah, japan, japan came in as a as a late <laughs> late entry as a late transfer transfer deadline signing yeah. but um <laughs> what i will say like people should get used to seeing these type of things because it creates more diversity in film i i don't well i just thinking back to mangrove which i just watched i mean in that, there's most of the white people are bad, apart from the one of the lawyers. Well, or, it, I mean, although there's two that are doing their job, so you can't really attach. It but it makes them. sense because it's a BBC show, isn't it? So BBC still has to play it some part safe, even if it, uh, even if that show is from the purview of Black Caribbean people. Uh, so I think BBC still has to do that type of lip service. Uh, I, 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 I mean, it's Steve McQueen more than the BBC. And I mean, they're representing what actually happened. So the white lawyer in it is a white lawyer that was actually yeah. part of the Mangrove case. Yeah. But the thing is... He, 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 was a def he defended um, seven of the nine because two of them defended themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but just jumping back onto this again, uh, um, Vampires versus the Bronx. I did feel that there there was two counterbalances. Like they yeah, they went top heavy, um, smashing whatever white patriarchy gentrification ideals were on the table. But it was very interesting the way they brought the Latino community 
just above the uh, the black community in the film because generally a lot of films which are set in New York, the black community is the predominant feature. Like, and I'm going back to do the right thing. And the Latino community tends to have a kind of a side role or a cameo role, or they're there as a kind of uh, a joke interface. So it was kind of interesting and good to see them front and centre a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about New York and, and what the different characteristics of the different boroughs are. Well, the Bronx is heavily Hispanic, so they kept true to that. So, like, like Steve, uh, like Trevor said, like, I think they had to have it predominantly a Spanish neighborhood. And um, even though the black characters weren't on the peripheral, they they still stood shoulder to shoulder with the Latino community, but they just didn't have the numbers that um, the Latino actors had. Also, a lot of the Latinos in the film were Afro Latino, so Latino people of African descent. So they were they were kind of mixed as well, but yeah, the Bronx is definitely heavy. Because uh... I, I think Daredevil is an is a superhero film which is supposed to be set in the Bronx as well. But I no, Hell's think... Hell's Kitchen is Hell's Kitchen is slightly different. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, oh no, Kingpin's from the Bronx. That's what, I've got that wrong. But yeah, so like yeah, and and with with Luke Cage, he's set in Harlem, which is heavily black. Oh, okay. Harlem's Harlem's. Harlem's black. Well, where did middle class people live in New York? Uh, I think they've moved to uh, Brooklyn now. Manhattan. Yeah, in Manhattan. But Manhattan's for the rich, isn't it? Yeah, rich. But I think the posh people have moved to Brooklyn. They've gentrified Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn's one. Uh, the other, I'll, I'll name the boroughs so that we know what's what. <laughs> Staten Island, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, and. Uh, yeah, those are five. I think they're supposed to be seven. Queens is quite middle class, isn't it? Queens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my my uncle lives in the Bronx. And oh, really? um, I've only seen the black community there when I've visited. But I know there's a Hispanic community there. But the the Bronx is famous for having the the car chase sequence in the French Connection. That's one oh. of the things that's made it a famous landscape. Um. So, oh, and um, the other thing, Carlito's way. Yeah, bunch of Hispanic people in that. Um, in terms of, uh, did 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 we felt did we feel like we were in the Bronx? Did we feel engrossed in the world? Did we did we do we think they did a great job of world building? I think to me, I like the way they identified the gentrification problem or issue that, that it was a problem for the local community. And it reminded me a little bit of the way Hackney's changed uh, in the 2000s. I liked the way that it was identifying how gentrification creeps up on you, almost like a vampire. And then before you know it, it kind of bites you. That was and such... I, and I in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was such a slight against Stephen. Some guy from Cornwall has come and gentrified your beautiful... That's, that's what he basically is saying. <laughs> that's what he basically say. Uh Stephen, do you feel like you were engrossed in the uh, the world of the Bronx? I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel that that was really what the Bronx was like. I thought it was like a children's... Uh, uh, no, no, teenager's version of what the Bronx might be like. I mean, it's obviously a bit sanded down and a bit kind of, mm. um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
it was kind of, I wasn't, it's not a film you're going to be surprised by because, I mean, it's a basic fiat structure. You knew what was, you knew what was going to happen kind of all the way through. And, um, yeah, but it was, it was kind of, it was nicely written, I think, is the thing. Mm. Um, yeah. It's it kind of, it was funny and it was sweet. And, um, yeah, Stephen, you were saying it's like the teenagers view, but isn't it, wasn't it about what the teenagers felt was important and what they saw was at stake? Because, a lot of what happened in the adult world, which was a lot of the um, the land grabbing, that was kind of outside of the perspective of what the teenagers yeah. were concerned of. So yeah, yeah. really getting to grips with what their day-to-day life was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I thought it was good. But I mean I didn't think, oh my god, this is a this is a a, a um very accurate portrayal of um life in the Bronx. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? It's, it wasn't, you know, it, it was a slightly kind of, um, you know, a cinemafied version of the, of, of the Bronx. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, I mean, what, what's like a, it's not, it wasn't a wire, was it? Yeah. Did you want to see more Method Man like standing on rooftops rapping with Ray Kwan? No, I didn't. No, well, yeah, Method Man, yeah. But, um, no, that would be good. So wait, for, for you, like the wire really took you to Baltimore and stuff like that. I know you found like you found like this would be what it was like to live there, which mm, I think okay. they're trying to do. You know, yeah. If you lived there, this is what it would be like. Whereas I didn't think that in the, the film we're talking about that that would be what it would be like if I lived there. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, vampires excluded definitely. Uh, so like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so the gentrification obviously was a bit on the nose, uh, but this this film did get 88% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which oh, is wow. really good. And one of the um, reviews uh, gave it three out of four, saying when a horror comedy is as agile, charming, and funny as this, everybody wins, which is a great uh, mm. review there. Uh, and another uh, comment by... Roger Moore of Movie Nation wrote, nobody should be making serious vampire... I'm just saying, Roger Moore's found something to do after James Bond, finally. Yeah, exactly, the lazy fool. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, nobody should be making serious vampire or zombie movies at this stage of the the horror cycle. So this riff on the genre absolutely fits the bill and making it a commentary on gentrification Mm. Inspired, I would agree with all of that sentiment. Um, with that being said, uh, serious question: when the when the vampires lined up against the um, the gangsters, who did you want to die more? Oh, I do you know what I actually wanted to see the deaths. I know it would have pushed the certification over, but I think that was an important moment where we should have seen the attack happen in real time because. I think it would have added to the action, and I think it would have, it would, because the 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 the, um, the gangs of parasites in themselves, as, as Stephen mentioned, vampires are parasites, and it it might have been good to have seen them getting wiped out before the um, the white vampires. The, I get you, you know, Stephen. Who did you who are you rooting for in that that lineup? Well, I wasn't rooting for anyone because I knew exactly who was going to win. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to root for, yeah. Because they, they didn't pack any silver bullets. That was the yeah, they should have. They should, they should have had some... Um, some... It would have been a pretty weird sequence if the, if the gangsters had won. Imagine <laughs> they had, like, holy water in their back pocket. That would have been funny, no? Yeah. 
obviously we, we didn't feel sorry for those gangsters dying. Um, with that being said, would you like to see a sequel to this? Because they've became baby blades, remember? They, they're, yeah. they, they are going to protect the Bronx from it now would, until they're old. Yeah, it would be clever if they let them come back four years later or something like that, um, where maybe they've all gone to college and whilst they were at college, vampires have moved in and they've got to kind of exterminate them like a kind of Ghostbusters type of situation. That would probably be pretty cool. But um, oh, I, had a, I had a spin-off idea as well when I was watching it. It's like Jehovah's Witnesses, vampires posing as Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> Is that a commentary on Jehovah's Witnesses? Have you got a problem with Jehovah's Witnesses? He's no, not at all. not at all. But it would be kind of a way to get invited in. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're never gonna, you're never gonna invite a Jehovah's Witness, and you're never gonna. Ask oh, no, the that's, them, that would be a comedy. That would be part of the joke. No, <laughs> no, it never happen. You, you peek at your window, you see some person holding a Bible. You say, okay, I'm not in. Sorry, I'm not in. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I wanted to say about the premise: uh, Did you, did you, were you guys comfortable with the idea? of only the kids understood what was going on until it was slapped in the face of the adults. Yeah, because I mean that, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty standard trope, I think, in yeah, films yeah. that focused on kids. Yeah. So, so were you happy with the, the, the final reveal of? I'm not. I want to say her name was Karen. Um, in terms of internet speed, I can't remember what her name was. Um, the the female vampire um, Vivian. Vivian, um, who's got another. Or we say Vivian when Vivian was finally revealed. Um, did you feel that was adequate? finally revealed when she first appeared in her first scene? Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was revealed as soon as she stepped into this world. No, she, she no, because she turned up as um as the as the neighbour, doesn't she? At night, yeah. <laughs> I, I was completely suspicious. At night, <laughs> so, so, who turns up in the neighbourhood at night and say, "Yeah, I'm your new neighbour. How you doing?" So, so were you guys confident? Were you, were you, were you honestly? Did you want to see not not? Did you? Was, oh, I sorry. want to be on the fence. I'm a bit surprised here. Um, did it take the twist for you to actually realise? No. Do you know what it was? I, it I, never I, really I, goes into these films like bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, what funny is? What funny is? Do you know what it was? I I just couldn't believe they were going to take down every white character in this film. I thought. At least let one of them escape over the line, sort of thing. Get used to it, baby. It's 2020. <laughs> but um, I'll be honest. If I was in that world, I would probably end up having to go toe to toe with a vampire rather than keeping my social distance because I, I, I think I would, I was, too, I'd be too um, naively friendly. I'll, I'll give them too many second chances. That's probably what it. Didn't, didn't COVID come from bats? Yeah, it did. <laughs> That's where vampires were eaten. But what I was going to say, how stupid was that final fight sequence? It was like something out of a poorly written kung fu movie where you go up to the baddie one at a time. They yeah. just stomp this bitch out. Do you know what I... All I, of you. The way I understood it, and I, I'm trying not to give spoilers away, it was the community The community was separated and individ, they were just individuals looking out for themselves. And no one was really coming together. So everybody was saying like, oh, this person sold their house, that person sold their business, good for them. We need to get our money when we get the chance. So everybody was kind of divided. The community doesn't really come together until there's that kind of evening mass. 
where the kids plan to steal the holy water and then the fight and then obviously the very end scene which is kind of the celebration victory in the daytime yeah, yeah I, I was i was but, more i was more concerned. That was intentionally no but no what i'm saying is like it's like the way they did the final fight sequence is like a yeah. was like a kung fu movie where yeah you go up to them one at a time. Of course, they're going to win one at a time, especially a super-powered vampire. Yeah. That's what I found was really stupid. They should have surrounded her and did their thing, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the method man bringing out the whole, the big giant cross, that was a bit ridiculous. And I'm thinking, where were the police? Because there's like a little mob running down the street. Bronx, like, police don't come to the Bronx. <laughs> yeah, 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 they yeah, police yeah. themselves. Actually, no, there was, one, there was one police car with those two black police officers and they were laughing and joking with Frankie and that was it. <laughs> That's all you're getting. Um, as a vampire aficionado and horror aficionado, Stephen, and as well as you, uh, MK, how well do you feel the range of vampire powers were used in this film? Do you think we saw the full range of it and was it executed well? Um... I mean, what powers do vampires really have? Suck blood, hang from ceilings, fly a bit, super strength. I think we saw the whole gambit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about super strength. I mean, really, vampires have super strength. They do. They they turn it undead. If if you if you ain't got super strength and you don't turn it undead, what's the point of you? Yeah, don't forget he picked up one guy with his teeth whilst he was fighting. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that that one didn't. I'm just saying that vampires as a Thing. I mean, they're, they're less superpowered. I mean, like I said before, they're parasites. They're just feeding off people. They're less superpowered when they're turning. That's the only way they can stay alive. They don't. I mean, superpowers. <laughs> superpowers. You say they're super empowered. Is that what you're saying? They were using their white privilege. To... No, but <laughs> if you're if you're undead, let's think about it. if you're undead and you're decomposing corpse, you'd need super strength to overpower an actual human that you want to suck the life out of. No. Do you know what? I always understood that the vampire's strength was in relation, in correlation to how much fresh blood they had in their system. So I always, I always explained it away in my head that vampires were weak when they hadn't fed, and that's why they probably used to feast on um, young girls or people they invited to dinner. But when they were in their feeding frenzy, that's when they became super powerful. So before we wrap this up, w- would you recommend people watch it, uh, Trevor? Yes or no? Um, I would say this is actually a good family film, to funnily enough, considering it's a horror. So I think it, this isn't just Netflix and children, but this is probably a Netflix and children family. It will probably be like a bigger hit over Christmas. So I think it's a good watch. If, and especially if you want to throw away all of the um, all of your expectations of what a vampire film should be, I think it, it, it's very lighthearted. Mm, standard long yes from from Trevor there. Okay, Stephen, <laughs> yes or no? Would you recommend this film? Yeah. Uh, oh. to, um, well, yeah, fam- uh, yeah. Like Trevor said, it's family viewing. I think it'd be good. Um, I don't have family, so. Oh my goodness! You just depressed Stephen. <laughs> Trevor, I do, I'm man. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fantastic. I would say definitely go out and watch it. Well, not go out. If you got go Netflix, watch it. you're gonna watch it in your what in your garage. <laughs> yeah. Netflix, or if you have Netflix on your phone, go in the go in the car. Go in the car and watch it. I, I think if you went on the underground, you could probably go back and forth on one of the tube lines. 
that would be yeah. one just watch it just watch it no definitely i think it's a family family film i think it, it's it's an alone film it's uh it's a netflix and chill but actually chill film i think it's a great film and obviously we've said that the reviews are quite uh great around it and the acting's good uh everyone's great in it except for method man but um that is by the by um so yeah yeah <laughs> no do you think method man was great in it I, I think he's an all right actor but in this film do you think he was good well, he didn't have a lot, but I liked him when he was on. Yeah. You know what? Okay, he, that's, that shocks me, but okay. Stephen, when we get round to the episode, we need to rank the Wu-Tang Clan as actors in films. Because, in my opinion, I think RZA is the best actor on film out of all of them. And I think okay. Method Man is he's below fifth, definitely. You know. Did um, DB do any films? Because I'd like to see them. I'm not sure if he's even been allowed to do it. He could have lost on the film set. I, I think we've seen... I can uh, imagine a whole porn series. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I think Rizzage's uh, Ghostface, they've all been on film. And yeah, Method Man. Uh, Ray Kwan has probably been there as well. Cool. Okay, uh, so that's for another episode where we rank hip-hop actors. Uh, I bet you guys out there listening and watching can't wait for that mm-hmm. bit of um, scintillating um, debate and discussion. Marky Mark for the win. Ah, oh, that's just gross. For that, I'm not even involving myself in that debate. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna land this plane now. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you, uh, thank you to uh, Stephen. See ya. Thanks, Cody and Trevor. Ciao for now. Excellent. So you have been listening to another episode of Geek Sweat. This time you are uh, tuned into the MKH Cut and we have been reviewing Vampires versus the Bronx. Uh, if you don't know, now you know. Uh, so we hope to see you again and uh, keep being fresh out there, guys. Uh, yeah, we love you. Bye bye. <laughs>